Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Birth Books podcast. It's my birthday! Or at least it is if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, Sunday the 2nd of August. Uh, if, if it's not, you, then you've, you've missed out, I'm afraid. Um, you, but you can still send me presents. I, I don't mind that. Uh, now, fittingly, as I get older, my memory seems to be slipping just a little bit. I am certain that I have read three books this week, but I can only remember two of them. And to be fair, one of them I've literally just finished, so I would be upset if I hadn't remembered that one. Uh, There's a gap at the beginning of my week, and I can't for the life of me think what it was that I read. Which probably means it wasn't very good. Now, as well as potentially reading free books this week, it has been bundle uh, day this week, or rather bundle week, because I've been spreading it out, trying to uh, make sure everything gets sent out in time. So uh, I will be revealing what books are in the bundles, plus I will have reviews of those two books that I read, and maybe a third review if I remember it before the end of the podcast. All that, plus the latest news, the charts, and an exciting new round of the Page Master Quiz. You do not want to miss it. So we'll go straight in with the first book that I read this week, and it is called Greed by Mark Ellsberg. It's available now in paperback, and this is what it's about. It's the near future. The world economy is in freefall. Mass unemployment and hunger rage as banks, corporations and countries go bankrupt. But one group are doing just fine. The super-rich. Nobel Prize-winning economist Herbert Thompson drives to an emergency summit in Berlin to deliver his groundbreaking solution to the world's elite. A formula that will reverse the downturn, transform the economy and give everyone a share of the wealth. Thompson never arrives. He is killed in a car crash on the way. Jan, a keen cyclist, out late sees the incident. Convinced Thompson has been murdered, he vows to find out why. But there are powerful forces at work who will stop at nothing to keep Jan silent. How far will they go to satisfy their greed? And who can stop them? So the first thing to say about this book is that uh, I don't think it really is the near future. Maybe it was the near future when uh, Mark Ellsberg wrote it, but this is a world where there are protests happening all over the place, the world's economy is in trouble, and uh, the common person is, is sort of rising up, determined to make a change. Uh, so that doesn't sound particularly near future, it sounds quite present to me, but obviously this would have been written maybe a year or two ago, so we will give him the benefit of the doubt. Now, this is actually based in Germany, based in Berlin, and it was originally written in German, so it's been translated to English. I only really mention that because uh, I'm not sure on how to spell or how to pronounce Jan's name. It might be Jan, it might be Jan, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm going to stick with Jan for now, uh, but it's not a typical male name for, for British people, so if you're wondering why that is. Now, having said that, I don't think you can tell that it's been translated. I think there's uh, some brilliant lines in it. I think it's done really, really well. 
and it's actually got quite a lot of economics in it. Now, I am not an economist by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I understood what was being uh, sort of explained in this book. So there is a bit of maths, but it's told in a way that is really quite easy to understand. Uh, lots of good examples. So when we first meet Fitzroy, uh, one of the main characters, uh, he is uh, gambling. He's running a gambling ring where everyone he's playing is convinced that they're going to win. And then actually only one person out of the 12 or so of them do. But I'm skipping ahead slightly. So back to the accident where Herbert Thompson dies. He is with another man, Will Cantor, and they are, they both die. Jan witnesses the incident. Uh, it's a car crash, and uh, but somebody stops Jan from trying to help and kills Will Cantor. So so Herbert Thompson died straight away. Will was still alive, but Jan is stopped from helping him. However, before he is stopped, her, Will just says like three names to him. He says Fitzroy, he says Golden Bar, and he says Chantel. So that's all that Jan's got to go on. He tells all of this to the police when they arrive. He is not, you know, he's not a, a maverick, he's not a vigilante. The police arrive, he tries telling his story, but then Jorn, one of the policemen, he is convinced that Jan has something to do with it. He, he doesn't buy for a fact that there were these other people there uh, and that Jan didn't somehow get involved in this. So Jan, fearing that he's about to be arrested, makes break for it. And he is pursued by the men who murdered Will and Herbert. So they'd been in hiding once the police arrived, uh, but they were keeping an eye on Jan and they follow him. And they follow him across to this place, the Golden Bar, where Jan looks for somebody, anybody, <laughs> called Fitzroy. And then he sees this man at the back of the back of the bar running a gambling ring. At the same time, uh, there's a detective, Maya. She, uh, she appears on the scene. She's quite frustrated with, with Jorn, uh, but they sort of end up having to work together to track down Jan. And then later Fitzroy, they sort of work out following a brawl in the bar that Fitzroy is involved. And then it's kind of this race against time. So you've got these three groups. You've got the police pursuing Jan and Fitzroy. You've got Jan and Fitzroy trying to solve the riddle of Will's last message. And then you've got these other guys, Anvil Chin. That's uh, the name of one of them. That, that's a nickname that Jan, Jan gives one of them. And they are after Jan and Fitzroy as well. And then we've got a woman, and I don't really know how to say her name, Jian, I think. Uh, she is a PA for the super rich guy. They're a little bit more than colleagues. Maybe lovers, but not really into a, a huge relationship at this point. Although Jan thinks that there might be something there until Jan and Fitzroy get involved. And so it's like a big conspiracy, big race against time. There's a big summit, you know, featuring all of the world's richest people and the economists of the world who are basically going to try and work out what it is that is going wrong with the world 
and how to solve it. And then you've got Herbert Thompson and Will's uh, sort of theory, and it kind of is going to upend everything economists have believed for 400 years. And as somebody who is becoming, I feel like I'm slightly becoming radicalised by injustice. So you'll have remembered that I've read the book about prisons uh, and got quite angry about that uh, and how prisons are run. I've got quite angry about um, the book Who Owns England and how much the super rich hold. And then this is kind of like the next step in it and it sort of explains how the rich become richer. And they kind of put it in the terms of economy as, uh, um, you know, the, the, the more you have, the easier it is to grow, etc. Um, but it also kind of makes the point that actually, yeah, you, are, you and your neighbour, you uh, could have a good year and, you know, you could solve, uh, you know, the way to make your crops grow so they use a lot of farming analogies in this because I think it's like the simplest way to make it understood but you could get so you could have a really good year and like have lots and lots of crops and your neighbour could have a bad year and, and our society kind of our capitalist society teaches us that well that's just the nature of things and you know you've got to look after yourself and then the next year your neighbour has a good year and you don't but, you know, you, that's bad luck. Well, actually, what they're saying is, we'll work together. You have a bad year, but, you know, work with your neighbour, share some of the crops that have grown, and overall, everybody gets more. It's a longer-term thing, not a short-term thing. And I think that is kind of the problem that I've seen in society, in businesses, uh, you know, in, in all my experience, a lot of people seem to be focused on the short term rather than the long term. And you know what, if you put in some hard work now, your longer term benefits will be greater than just doing the easy thing because it's easy and then you have to sort out the problems that that causes later on. Uh, I've kind of got on a tangent. Yes, this is a brilliant book. It it was one that sort of made me want to just keep reading as a, as a thriller itself. It's very, very good. But it also has some really good points to make about capitalism and communism. It doesn't suggest that communism is the way forward. Absolutely not. But what it does suggest is that we have misunderstood capitalism. And I think if you read this, it really will give you uh, some more thoughts uh, about how we act as a society and how the super rich behave. Uh, it's probably not enough to change their minds, but it will be interesting to see what you think of it. So that is Greed by Mark Ellsberg, and it is available now. Last week, I wanted to get to know all of you a bit better. You might remember that I had a bit of a bad week in terms of how many books I'd read, and uh, I was wondering how many books you guys read a week on average. The answers came from anywhere between half a book 
up to seven with most people that answered that is seeming to settle on two to three books a week now obviously the people that I asked on my Twitter we're all big readers so we are going to have a slightly higher than average so if you are listening to this thinking oh my god I can barely read one book a month don't worry about it it's it's normal uh you know things get in the way life happens kids happen work happens and some people have found it easier to read during lockdown because they've had loads of extra time. Other people have completely lost their reading mojo. For me, I always used to see reading as a, oh, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that later, I'll do that later. Uh, and I'm saying this now for the people that are listening who are wondering how we all read so much. You know, you are, you are listening and you read one book a month, but you'd like to read more. And the thing is, you just have to do it. Don't see it as a thing that you should do. See it as a thing that you enjoy doing. And if you want to read more, read more. Turn off the TV, turn the lights down and read just before bed. Wake up half an hour earlier and read. Take a book with you to work. Read on the commute. Read wherever you can. Read as much as you can. Uh, but don't feel guilty for not reading. Uh, because... It is, at the end of the day, a pastime. It's not something you should feel obligated to do. And don't feel guilty if you've only read one book and other people have read seven. It's just they've got more time, they read quicker. I, I read something really interesting that one person said they've got dyslexia and that means they read more, which completely threw me because I would have thought it would have made it harder to read. But there you go. So, yeah, if you want to read, read. If you don't, don't. But don't feel pressured and don't feel bad. Now, I was going to ask about the Booker Prize long list and see what your thoughts were on it. I might save that for next week now, because one thing that's got me curious reading all of your responses to how many books a week you read was that several of you were talking about, oh, I'll check my records, I'll check something, I'll check this. And now I'm curious. Do you track what you read? And if you do, how do you track it? Do you have a spreadsheet? Do you have like I do, a box of index cards in it. Do you use Goodreads? What is it that you use? And is there something that you wish existed that made it easier for you? Let me know uh, in the usual places, Twitter at Bert's Books, or email me, Bert at Bert'sBooks.co.uk. Next up is The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman, and I have literally just finished reading this, and I loved it. I have saved it for this week, just because I was on Pointless as a contestant on Wednesday. Uh, If you've watched it, you'll know I didn't make it to the final, but it means I get to come back for a second go. That episode is recorded, waiting to uh, come out at some point, but they've switched to repeats on BBC One for a while, so who knows when that episode will come. But enough of that, let's talk about Richard Osman and his book rather than his TV show. This is The Thursday Murder Club. In a peaceful retirement village, four unlikely friends meet up once a week to investigate unsolved murders. But when a brutal killing takes place on their very doorstep, the Thursday Murder Club find themselves in the middle of their first live case. Elizabeth, Joyce, Ibrahim and Ron might be pushing 80, but they still have a few tricks up their sleeves. Can our unorthodox but brilliant gang catch the killer before it's too late? 
Somebody has described this as cosy crime. And I don't know how to how I think about that because I wouldn't necessarily what say it was cosy. We you know, there's we're talking about bones and uh and murders and drugs. There's there's quite a lot in here, and I think some people might just be slightly uh, distracted by the fact that our four main characters are pushing 80, as the blurb says. So it's a, a retirement village, which sounds like a, I mean, it sounds like a centre center parks, but a permanent place to live, uh, from, from the way it describes in the book. And they, there's an awful, awful man named Ian, who is... Uh, sort of like the care home centre manager. I think he owns the place. So uh, he's sort of in charge. And you are convinced, absolutely convinced, that he is going to get murdered. And then somebody else does. And it's, oh, okay. Um, so he lives to survive another day uh, after that murder. But there is a death and... Uh, it's up to uh, Elizabeth, who is kind of in charge of the Thursday Murder Club, to work out what is going on. But if Elizabeth is the Sherlock Holmes, then Joyce is the Dr Watson, because she's writing a diary, keeping it all in. And what I liked about Joyce, or rather what made me suspicious about Joyce, is that we actually see this book from various different viewpoints of people. So you you get it from Elizabeth's point of view, you see it from Ibrahim's and Ron's, you see it from Ian's point of view, you see it from Donna and Chris, who are two police uh, police officers, and you sort of see it from various others. They sort of drift in and out, which is quite an interesting way of doing it. You, you have a, quite a large cast of characters. But Joyce, we don't really see it from her point of view exactly. We just see her diary entries, which made me immediately suspicious, because at that point, it's not an objective point of view, it's a subjective point of view. And I started to wonder, and then I started to work it out, and I got there, and I knew exactly what was going on. And then, of course, uh, like all good murder mystery books, Richard Osman pulls the rug out from underneath you, and you have completely got it wrong. Some of the uh, red herrings that he's put in, you've fallen for. Some of the clues he's put in, you've completely missed. There's a couple uh, of extra red herrings, which uh, you can't you can't work out of red herrings. I don't think. Uh, so there's a other thing that you uh, that Joyce remembers, or she recognises something, and. Uh, she says, oh, I think I recognise that. And I looked back, and it is not mentioned. That It is not mentioned at all earlier on in the book. Uh, so uh, that red, particular red herring is uh, was slightly frustrating, uh, because it wasn't something that you could rule out or, or indeed rule in. But when I read this, I was I was really excited to read it, because I've heard about it for a long time, and I've not heard anyone say they didn't like it. And I was sort of determined to not like it a bit, because A, it's another celebrity writing fiction, and let's face it, they there's a lot of them doing it, and you kind of think, oh, come on, just come on. Uh, this is ghost written, or it's, you know, it's something else. 
And, or, in the case of some uh, celebrity writers, you can just tell it's them. So I've talked about this before when I've talked about Graham Norton. I love Graham Norton's books, and I don't think it, you can sort of hear his voice in it, which is great, because there are other people where they've written a book, and I can hear their voice, and it is coming out of a character that is not them, and it makes it very confusing and hard to read. Well, I don't think, I mean, there are bits of this at Richard Osmond, I think. I I don't know if you could tell without knowing, but I think there are bits of this that you recognise as being his sense of humour. But all of the characters are different enough from each other, from Richard themselves, from himself, and they're really, really quite likeable, uh, particularly Elizabeth, uh, who is this quite enigmatic woman who has had this secret history and is now out solving murders. And I think one of the things that this book does really well is remind you that just because these people are retired and in their 80s or in their late 70s, it doesn't mean that they haven't lived a life and they didn't have a career and they they don't still have those skills that that career afforded them. Elizabeth is a wonderful character. Um, I think I'm right saying that there is a TV adapt adaptation of this coming and I am really excited because I, w I can't wait to see who plays Elizabeth. I think she will be a wonderful character. Uh, I'm sort of hoping that Elizabeth and Joyce might end up being Judy Dench and Maggie Smith, uh, but that could just be me. I just like them anyway. I think Judy Dench certainly would make a good Joyce. I don't know about uh, Maggie Smith being Elizabeth, but maybe there's somebody equally as brilliant. But this is certainly one of those books where you can imagine an all-star cast. It is an excellent read. I think one that you will want to just keep on reading once you start. It's out on the 3rd of September, uh, 2020, in hardback, and you can pre-order it right now. My guest this week on the Page Master Quiz is Eleanor. Eleanor, tell us who you are, where you are, and a little bit about yourself. Um, so I'm Eleanor Ayres. I live in Cambridgeshire. Um, although I'm from Yorkshire, so I don't, I don't identify with Cambridgeshire. Um, I um, work as a copy editor, so I am around books quite a lot at the moment, although my background's in law, so I do a lot of academic law type stuff, which is fairly boring. Um, and I have two children um, and live at home a lot. <laughs> so uh, being a copy editor, uh, you, is that books that you do copy editing for? Bit of everything. So um, I've done a little bit of fiction, but mostly do academic law and um, business documents and that sort of thing. So you must read a lot then? Not as much as I did provide children. <laughs> well, hopefully uh, it will put you in good stead for um, the, this quiz. Uh, just so you know how it works, you'll get 10 questions. Each question is worth one point and five seconds in the final round. And in the final round, you will get the choice of two categories where you'll be asked to name as many books, authors or characters that apply to that category as you can. Now, you will get a Burt's Books pin badge just for taking part. Uh, but if you're at the top of the leaderboard it, by December, you'll be in the running to win £100 worth of books. 
And just to give you an update on the leaderboard, at the moment, Stu and Sarah are in sixth place uh, with eight points. So that's your target to get onto the top six. Uh, but the very top of the leaderboard is still Michael with 20 points. So uh, there's a big, big okay. gap between the bottom and the top of the leaderboard there um, that you can aim for. Uh, so if you're ready, we will begin. Question one. As of August 2020, how many times has Hilary Mantel won the Man Booker Prize? Two. Correct. What is the name of the busy shopping street that Harry Potter first visits with Hagrid in order to buy his school supplies? Diagon Alley. Correct. Question three. Which science fiction novel by Ernest Cline was adapted into a 2018 film featuring Mark Rylance and Simon Pegg? I can picture Mark Rylance, but I can't in it, I think, but I can't think what it's called. No, no, pass. Maybe player one. Question four. Who created the Gruffalo? Julie Donaldson. Correct. Question five. Which author links Hercule Poirot, Sherlock Holmes and James Bond? Uh, Fleming. Incorrect. It's Anthony Horowitz. He wrote... Oh, of course, yes. He wrote continuation novels of Sherlock Holmes and James Bond and has written screenplays for Poirot on TV. Yeah, I knew, I definitely knew the Bond bit about that. I should have thought about that more. Question six. Peter Pan befriended the Darling siblings, Wendy and her two brothers. Can you name either one of those brothers? Michael and John. Correct, but only one point, I'm afraid. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> Question seven. Which international publisher, founded in 1986, takes its name from the area of London in which its head office is based? A Bloomsbury. Correct. Question eight. New Moon, Eclipse and Breaking Dawn are part of which saga written by Stephanie Mayer? Twilight. Correct. Question nine. The recent bestseller edited by Adam Kay is a collection of essays paying tribute to who or what? Uh, doctors, nurses, NHS people. Correct. Question 10. Which year saw the publication of The Remains of the Day by Kazuhi Ishiguro, Elma by David McKee, and Bill's New Frock by Anne Fine. Eighty-three. It was nineteen eighty-nine. Oh, I thought Elma was slightly older than that. So that gives you seven out of ten, which gives you 35 seconds in the final round. So it looks like uh, you will have a very good chance of making that leaderboard, depending on which category you choose. All on I'm going to pick two of these envelopes at random. Uh, let's take that one. I'm not looking at what they are. And that one. So, what's... 
what category are you uh, hoping for? What would be a good category for you? I have no idea. Something I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, you have got WS or TF. What do you think they might be and which one are you going to take? I have, I have no clue what they could be even. Uh, TF. No, I'm completely blank. Um, let's go WS. Okay, so you have chosen WS. We've had him before with characters. Now you've got 35 seconds to tell me as many William Shakespeare plays as you can. Starting now. Measure for Measure, Antony and Cleopatra, Macbeth, Romeo and Juliet. Winter's Tale, uh, Henry the Fourth, Part One, Henry the Fourth, Part Two, um, Henry the Eighth, King John, King Lear, um, As You Like It, Much Ado About Nothing, uh, Othello, um, Titus Andronicus, Timon of Athens, Pericles, Coriolanus. Um, that's it, time. <laughs> you did really, really well. Um, and a uh, very good category for you as well, I think. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so I counted 17 there. Um, I, I lost count. <laughs> I don't think there were any duplicates, uh, but what I'll do is I will uh, count it up afterwards and just double check. Um, but that gives you uh, 17 in that round, eight, uh, seven in the first round, that gives you a total of 24, which takes Woo! you to the very top of the leaderboard. So well done. Lovely. And uh, I think <laughs> with that score, I will be talking to you again in December. So thank you very much. Excellent. <laughs> thank you very much. Well, congratulations to Eleanor. She gets a massive 24 points, which propels her to first place on the leaderboard, pushing Michael, at long last, out of top spot into second place. Uh, so, if you think... Oh, actually, before I go on, I just want to say something. So, Eleanor guessed 1983 for the year question. that, uh, And that was, uh, I said, one of the clues that Elmer was published in this year. Eleanor said she thought it was later than 89. And I've done a bit of research, and she's right. Elmer was actually first published in 1968, but then very quickly discontinued, and it was out of print. And then come 1989, it was reissued, republished, shortened, with slightly uh, different animations, and thus the series grew. So the Elmer that we know was published in 89. The original story was 68, I would add an extra point to Eleanor's score, but she still guessed 83, uh, so she still miles out whichever year you go with. So she remains on 24. Now, if you would like to take part in the Page Master quiz and try to make that leaderboard, perhaps you know what is in that other category that, uh, that Eleanor had uh, this week, TF was the one that she turned down. Perhaps you've got an inkling as to what's in that. Maybe you think that you would score a million points. Well, why not get in touch and email me at Bert's Books, uh, sorry, Bert at Bert'sBooks.co.uk and put Pagemaster in the subject. Now, I haven't remembered 
what that third book that I read was, if there even was a third book this week. But what I have got for you is the August bundle to talk about. So I'm going to tell you first about the crime and thriller bundles. We'll start with paperback. So uh, Greed by Mark Ellsberg, which I told you about earlier in this podcast, is the first one in that bundle. And it is joined by The Waiting Rooms by Eve Smith. Now, I did tell you about this one in a previous podcast, but if uh, you can't remember or haven't listened to it, that one is about another near future world, although this one is a bit more out of our current uh, sort of reach. And it's a world where antibiotics don't work anymore, and so they get rationed, and people over a certain age can't have them. And so you get a big subset of society dying from paper cuts and little things like that because they get infected. And you've got a woman who's looking for her real mother. She was adopted. And then you've got this other woman who is in a care home and seems to have a mysterious past. And then there is another section set in the past, different woman, different name, and uh, she's in Africa. And when I say the past, it's probably not a million miles away from our present, but she's in Africa, she's looking into medicines, and she may or may not be to blame for current uh, the current situation. Uh, so that's a really good thriller. It's maybe not one to read if the whole pandemic and coronavirus and lockdown sort of thing is getting to you. It's a little bit different, but it's not massively different. Uh, so that is the crime of fiction paperbacks. The hardbacks are Out of Time by David Class. Now this one is about the FBI. It's about a man who uh, is a computer programmer with the FBI, Tom Smith. He's quite young and he is sort of overshadowed by his father. Uh, but he's working with the FBI on trying to find this killer, the green man, who who is not leaving um, a single clue. Uh, as to as to how to find him and there's a movement that is out there and supporting him and Tom is part of the team trying to stop that movement which is growing bigger and bigger all the time but he is suddenly he spots something which might actually help sort of find this man the green man they call him um, but he then starts thinking, hmm, what if this man, this green man, who is doing all these sort of criminal acts, is actually trying to save the world rather than just be a criminal? And so you then find Tom sort of starting to sympathise with the movement that, that supports him. So there becomes this sort of really interesting conflict as to what he should do for the better. Joining that is a another book called The Sand Pit. This one is by Nicholas Shakespeare and it's a sort of spy espionage thing so it's not a million miles away from out of time in that it's kind of um, sort of that government espionage type thing but it is slightly different in that this is um, it, based in this country, based in England, in, in fact Oxford in fact uh, and he has returned to uh, sort of take his son to a new school and work uh, on a book. Um, and he was previously a foreign correspondent, but he's he's sort of leaving that life away, you know, behind now. 
Um, so his son ends up in the school where, like, it's full of rich children's kids. Uh, um, and John sort of uses that network uh, between all these fathers and, and parents. Um, and he ends up uh, sort of talking to this Iranian scientist, which puts him on to uh, a... A bit of a dangerous sort of you know journey, and the man, the scientist, ends up disappearing along with his son, and um, he is John sort of finds himself as potentially a suspect because he was the last person to see this scientist alive. So that is a another book that is the Sandpit by Nicholas Shakespeare. Always quite dangerous, I think, for somebody called Shakespeare to release a book. Uh, you're going to be judged quite harshly against other people with that name, I feel. In general fiction, it is uh, Something to Live For by Richard Roper. This is one that was in hardback last year in the uh, bundle. And it is about a man who um, works in an office. He's told his employers and his colleagues about his wife and his children but then he goes home and he is turns out he's lived he's, he's lying to them he, he doesn't have the, this wife he doesn't have these children um and he's, he's sort of fabricated this whole life for himself when in reality he speaks to three people online and uh he doesn't doesn't have a life uh, uh, then there's Peggy. Peggy is this woman who arrives in the office and um, she, he kind of falls for a bit and they end up spending more and more time together, working together, and he tries to work out how he can tell her the truth, um, but also kind of actually protect himself, so without revealing the truth to everyone as well. So that's something to live for. The second paperback joining that one is Love Unscripted by Owen Nichols. Now this is one that was in the bundles as well last year and it is about a man who works as a projectionist at a cinema. He is finds himself just coming out of a relationship with a, a four-year relationship with his girlfriend. She sort of moves out. His job is sort of at risk of redundancy. Sort of everything was going really well, and then suddenly everything's falling apart. It's one of those sort of books. And he tries to work out what it is he wants out of life, why it was that his girlfriend Ellie uh, left him, um, and what he can do about it. And we kind of see it from two points of view. Uh, we see it from the present and we see it from the past when, when they first met. And so it goes kind of through uh, the years and we, we learn their secrets, uh, the realities around their relationship bit by bit. He isn't necessarily always the most likeable of characters, but you do end up feeling a bit, you know, you, you root for him. So that one is Love Unscripted by Owen Nichols. So those are the two general fiction paperbacks. What are the two general fiction hardbacks I hear you ask? Well, two of my favourite books of the year. Uh, first is A Traveller at the Gates of Wisdom by John Boyne. Uh, it's really hard to describe this one. I think, uh, go back and listen to my review of a few weeks ago. Uh, but it's basically set across the last 2,000 years. 
and it's a way of telling us the same one story with multiple multiple characters and it tells us that life is that human life is the same wherever you go no matter what your culture your religion your environment these stories all are the same they happen to all of us they just repeat themselves throughout throughout the years uh, it's a really really good read it does have a bit of an indulgent ending which i didn't love uh, but I can forgive it because it's just so beautifully written. Uh, joining that is Spirited by Julie Cohen. Again, this is another one that I talked about a few weeks ago. It's about a Victorian woman who uh, starts taking photographs and there are spirits appearing in these photographs. She can't explain it, but the local uh, sort of medium, uh, Henriette, I think her name is, she uh, she can, it's the spirits, they are there trying to get through, and yeah, it's just, that's a lovely, lovely story as well, I did cry a little bit at the end, so I really hope uh, that if you've subscribed to that bundle, you will enjoy that book too. All of the bundles are on their way out now, I think there's one left still to be sent, um, I miscounted slightly on one of the books, so I didn't have enough for the last one, but that will be sorted at the very beginning of next week. If you want to sign up for a bundle, then do so by visiting birthbooks.co.uk. The next set of bundles will be sent out at the end of August. So that gives me a few weeks to work out what they will be. Big news this week was the Booker 2020 long list was revealed. Uh, there were a couple of um, non-surprises, I would say. The Mirror and the Light by Hilary Mantel is in there, and Redhead by the Side of the Road by Anne Tyler is there as well. But there are another 11 books in there. So we've got The New Wilderness by Diane Cook, This Mournable Body by Sitsi Dangarembga, Burnt Sugar by Avni Doshi, Who They Was by Gabrielle Kraus, uh, a Paragon by Colin McCann, The Shadow King by Maza Mangisti, Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed, Shuggy Bane by Douglas Stewart, Real Life by Brandon Taylor, Love and Other Thought Experiments by Sophie Ward, and How Much of These Hills is Gold by C. Pam Chang. Now all of these are available to order on birthsbooks.co.uk or just want to, if you want to find out a little bit more about them, head to the website, there is a Booker Longlist 2020 category and you will find all of those books in there. The shortlist is announced on the 15th of September. The winner will be announced mid-October. Now, as I told you at the top of this podcast, it's my birthday today, or at least it is on the day that you're listening to this, if you're listening to this on Sunday the 2nd of August. If you're not, then uh, you have missed out on my traditional birthday offer. I say traditional, I did it last year, I'm doing it again this year. It's more of a line than a pattern at the moment, but we'll see. So, if you spend over £10 on the birthsbooks.co.uk website on Sunday the 2nd of August, I will send you a paperback, additional to whatever you've ordered, free of charge, uh, that I think you will like. And uh, if that is something, it might be, something that is on your wish list. I might go and have a quick look at your wish list and see what's on there, so I would suggest updating those. It might be just something that I think you'll like based on what else you've ordered. 
if you've never ordered from me before, I will just send you one of my favourites and hope that you uh, haven't read it. If you have read it, you can, of course, just pass it on to somebody else. Uh, that is only valid Sunday the 2nd of August. You have to spend £10 or more, and it can be on anything apart from subscriptions. If you spend some money on a pre-order, that will count, but I won't send the paperback, the free book, out until I send your pre-order out, uh, just because I need to send it with your book in order to save a bit of money on the, on the delivery. Uh, so uh, if you pre-order, yes, you can absolutely take part, but uh, it might be another month or two before you get your book. Uh, if you order something else in the meantime, I will put it in there with that. And lastly, it is only one per customer. It is now time for my favourite bit of the week. It is, of course, the latest bestseller charts. There are four new entries this week, two non-fiction, two fiction. Let's start with non-fiction. The Body by Bill Bryson. We spend our whole lives in one body, and yet most of us have practically no idea how it works and what goes on inside it. The idea of the book is simply to try to understand the extraordinary contraction that is us. Bill Bryson sets off to explore the human body, how it functions, and its remarkable ability to heal itself. Full of extraordinary facts and astonishing stories, The Body, a guide for occupants, is a brilliant, often very funny attempt to understand the miracle of our physical and neurological makeup. A wonderful successor to the short history of nearly everything, this new book is an instant classic. It will have you marvelling at the form you occupy and celebrating the genius of your existence time and time again. What Mummy Makes by Rebecca Wilson Say goodbye to cooking multiple meals every day and the faff of making special little spoonfuls for your baby, plainer dishes for fussy older siblings and something different again for the grown-ups. With this ingenious new way to introduce solid food to your baby, you'll cook a single meal and eat it together as a family where baby will learn how to eat from watching you. Each recipe is quick to prepare and easy to adapt for different ages and dietary requirements. The two new fiction releases, first of which is The Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes. Alice Wright doesn't love her new American husband, nor her domineering father-in-law or the judgmental townsfolk of Baileyville, Kentucky. Stifled and misunderstood, she yearns for escape and finds it in defiant Marjorie O'Hare and the sisterhood bringing books to the isolated and vulnerable. But when her father-in-law and the town turn against them, Alice fears the freedom, friendship, and the new love she's found will be lost. And the fourth book uh, that is released this week is The Sun Sister by Lucinda Riley. To the outside world, Electra Dapleys seems to have it all. As one of the world's top models, she is beautiful, rich, and famous. Yet Electra's already tenuous control over her state of mind has been rocked by the death of her father, Pa Salt, the elusive billionaire who adopted his sick daughters from across the globe. Struggling to cope, she turns to alcohol and drugs. As those around her fear for her health, Electra receives a letter from a stranger claiming to be her grandmother. In 1939, Cecily Huntley Morgan arrives in Kenya from New York to nurse a broken heart. Staying with her godmother, a member of the infamous Happy Valley set, she meets Bill Forsyth, a notorious bachelor and cattle farmer with close connections to the proud Maasai tribe. But after a shocking discovery and with the war looming, Cecily has few options 
Moving up into the Van Jehoe Valley, she is isolated and alone until she meets a young woman in the woods and makes her a promise that will change the course of her life forever. There have been a lot of words and names that I have struggled to pronounce in today's episode. Uh, so those are our four new releases. Um, let's find out where they uh, end up. Just a quick recap of last week. We had David Walliams still in number one place by quite some way. Uh, there is, as ever, only one way to find out if he will stick in that top spot, and that is by using data sourced from Nielsen Bookscan's total consumer market panel chart. It's no move at 10 this week for why I'm no longer talking to white people about race by Rennie Edo Lodge. Down three places to nine is Dear NHS, edited by Adam Kay, and it's a re-entry at eight for Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. Up two places to seven is Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Evaristo. The Body by Bill Bryson is our first new entry at six, and it's down one to five for The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse by Charlie Maxey. New in at four it's What Mummy Makes by Rebecca Wilson, and at three it's The Sun Sister, the sixth book in the Seven Sisters series from Lucinda Riley. This week's highest new entry is The Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes at two, which means it is a fourth week at the top spot for David Walliams and the world's worst parents. After four weeks, Walliams is still at the top spot, but he was only there by 3,000 units this week. And Jojo Moyes, who was in second place, is only on half a week. So could next week be the week that uh, sees him topple off? Will Jojo take the top spot? Will something else rock it up? There is only one way to find out, and that is by joining me next week on the Birds Books Podcast. Well, that is everything for this week. Thank you, as ever, for listening to me waffle on. Uh, do check out birtsbooks.co.uk if you need a book, new book, and especially today, uh, as you'll get a free paperback with uh, any order over £10. In the meantime, uh, I would love to hear from you about anything book-related, what you're reading, what you're writing, how many you're reading, where you're recording those books that you read and love down. Get in touch on social media at Burt's Books or via email at bert at burtsbooks.co.uk. And that is also the places to go if you want to take part in a future round of the Page Master Quiz. Now, I was supposed to be seeing the Sister Act musical at Whoopi Goldberg today. Uh, not with her. I was going with my friend, Brett, but we, she was going to be in it. Uh, but that has been delayed thanks to coronavirus, so I will probably just go and watch the film instead. And, as it's my birthday, I might treat myself by reading a book. I'll speak to you next week.